A warning, this episode features dramatizations and discussions of child loss, murder, and gore. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. Also something to note, the story you're about to hear is not a direct retelling of a single myth about Frau Perschta. Today's episode combines elements from various Germanic stories for dramatic effect. Welcome to Mythical Monsters, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Every Monday, our show explores the hair-raising lore behind mythology's most terrifying beasts. By understanding where these creatures come from, we aim to expose just what deep, dark fears they've preyed upon for centuries. Today's episode is about the Germanic Christmas witch, Frau Perschta, also known as the Belly Slitter. Frau Perschta makes house visits between Christmas and Epiphany on January 6th, but you'd better hope you've been good and followed her rules, because if you didn't, you may not live to see another winter. You can find episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Coming up... Frau Perschta's Holiday Tidings of Doom. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. The 12 days of Christmas begins on Christmas Day and end on January 6th, the Epiphany. These days are traditionally full of charity, peace, and tradition. But to those who have spent the year being naughty, this time is filled with horror. For it's during these 12 days that the belly slitter comes calling. Frau Perschta also called Bersch or Berta, is often depicted as a rag-clad old woman with a beak-shaped iron nose, long teeth, and a cane. 
Perhaps more unsettling than the Frau herself is her Heimschen, the German word for cricket, a ghostly chorus of weeping, unbaptized children that follow her around on midwinter nights. Much like Santa Claus, the Frau rewards those who have worked hard during the year with gifts and punishes those who have misbehaved. Her favorite victims are liars and cheats, but laziness is also a particular pet peeve. For example, she grows angry at those who eat meat on Epiphany Eve, and at spinners who have not finished weaving their flax. However, she also hates those who work on holidays and do not partake in festivities, meaning she's a fan of work-life balance. Work hard, but not too hard. Unlike the jovial Father Christmas, the Frau's punishment is more severe than coal in your stocking. Author Jacob Grimm of the Brothers Grimm writes, they tell the children on the eve of Epiphany that if they are naughty, Bersh will come and cut their bellies open. But her other punishments are no less cruel. She has scraped glass across liars' tongues and boiled people alive. She's also known to trample victims with her boots. The lore surrounding Frau Perschta is meant to encourage moral duties and social norms. Tell the truth, abide by tradition, and don't be lazy. On the surface, these rules seem simple enough, but the Frau requires perfection, and she is unforgiving to those who do not meet her expectations. But as horrifying as this warning must be for children, adults must follow Frau Perschta's rules too, or suffer the consequences. Anna stirred in her restless half-sleep, alarmed by the sound of footsteps approaching her bedside. She opened her eyes, but all that greeted her was a dark, empty room. Moonlight spilled in from her window, and a spinning wheel sat in the corner gathering dust, surrounded by overflowing baskets of flax. A sudden, rotten odor made Anna gag. It was like old meat scraps left out in the sun. She sniffed again, cringing. What was that? She rolled over to face her husband, Yosef. He was asleep. All seemed well, but she still felt uneasy. And that smell... When Anna rolled onto her back, she almost screamed. Looming over her was an old woman. Her beak-like, metallic nose glinted in the moonlight, framed by cataract-covered eyes and deep wrinkles. And in her hand, she held a meat cleaver, which she swung straight down toward Anna's belly. Anna screamed. <sighs> then she sat up with a gasp, her hands flew to her belly, but there was no bloody wound there. She looked around frantically. Yosef still slept peacefully beside her, and the room was quiet. No sign of the old woman at all. It was just another dream, a horrible one. 
Anna laid back, but her heart beat wildly. She'd had trouble sleeping since she lost her little Vinzel. Actually, she'd had trouble doing anything since last Christmas when she leaned over his cradle to find his face blue and his body limp. She glanced at their closet door, which was slightly ajar. Inside, their party attire was gathering dust. Feasts and celebrations had once felt so important, but now revelry disgusted her. Smiling was a rarity, and when she did smile, it was always followed by an overwhelming wave of guilt. Now that Christmas season had arrived, she could feel Yosef's angst. He was sick of sitting inside, sick of her sadness. She knew he missed parading around town with her. They used to be the perfect couple with the perfect life. But now they were nearly destitute. Even after borrowing from his father, they were barely scraping by. Anna eyed the spinning wheel and the baskets of flax and knew it was her fault. Yosef had farmed the flax, but Anna had yet to spin it into linen. She wanted to work, but each time she sat down at her spindle, she heard her lost baby's laughter. She saw him crawling around the floor while she spun, and with Christmas approaching, the pain would only get worse. Anna blinked back tears and tried to forget. The next morning, Anna sat at the kitchen table and stared out the window at the snow flurries. Last night's dream was heavy on her mind. She heard a faint voice, but paid it no mind. Then a waving hand interrupted her stare. She looked up to see Yosef eyeing her with concern. He gently inquired, Do you need to go back to bed? You look pale. Her hand flew to his as she replied, I had a bad dream last night, that's all. As Anna told him about the old woman, she watched her husband's brow furrow further, but she held back the detail about the blade sinking into her flesh. Yosef looked concerned enough as it was. Yosef muttered, She's angry about the flax, Anna. He leaned forward, insisting, It's Frau Perschta. You haven't spun any of the flax and it's Christmas tomorrow. You must get to work and show her that you're not lazy. Anna bristled. The evil Christmas witch was a child's tale. Her own mother had told her about the hag as a warning against telling lies or leaving chores unfinished between Christmas and Epiphany. The Frau's stories had terrified her as a child. Anna swore she would only tell Vinzel the cheery stories of Father Christmas rather than threaten him with the frau. Anna and Yosef did leave food out for the crone and attended the Epiphany feast, but it was more for tradition than belief. It felt cruel for her husband to bring up the old wives' tale now. She glared at Yosef and said softly, I will try. You know how I try. Yosef deflated, saying, I wish you would talk to me so I can understand more of what you're feeling. We used to talk all the time before... Yosef stopped. The implication hung heavy between them. Anna retorted, No one can help. She winced at her words. They were sharper than she'd meant. Yosef nodded, the worry still present in his eyes. 
Anna stayed up late that night, staring out at the heavy, falling snow. The fire in the hearth had died down to embers, casting a dim, golden hue over the kitchen. She had sat there since morning, waiting for another day to end. The days seemed so long lately. It didn't feel like Christmas Eve. They hadn't hung any wreaths, baked Stalin cake, or indulged in a steaming mug of mulled wine. It was just another cold, dark evening. Anna eyed the small wooden heart that Yosef had carved and left on her table for her. It didn't fill her with love like it was meant to. In fact, Anna felt nothing at all. Her gaze drifted to the hearth. She imagined Vinzel waddling toward a tray of gingerbread as Yosef brought their Christmas tree inside. She saw him grow older, asking if he had been good enough for Father Christmas to come. She heard her own voice assuring him, of course, my darling. A slow, methodical knock shook the front door. Anna looked up, startled from her fantasy, but before she could move, the door burst open with a rush of snow. The cold hit Anna's face with a large gust. She jumped to her feet in alarm, squinting nervously through the thick flurries. Then a dirty, wet boot jutted through the doorway and stepped across the threshold. The boot was worn by a stooped figure draped in tattered robes. A hand with long, yellowing, claw-like fingernails gripped a wooden cane. Then the figure threw back her hood to reveal a wrinkled woman with an iron-beaked nose. Anna backed away. Her mouth hung open in shock. She was looking at the same face from her nightmare, but this was no nightmare. Frau Perschta was here. When the Frau spoke, her rough voice felt like sandpaper swiping at Anna's eardrums. What did you leave for me tonight? A terrified gasp rose in Anna's throat. She had forgotten Frau Perschta's offering. Coming up, Frau Perschta makes her demands. Listeners, this month marks 60 years since John F. Kennedy became the 35th President of the United States, ushering his already prominent family into the highest enclaves of political power. But behind their storied successes lie secrets and scandals so severe, if it were any other lineage, they would have been left in ruin. This January, to commemorate this iconic milestone, dig into the dramas of a real-life American dynasty in the Spotify original from Parcast, The Kennedys. This exclusive series from Spotify features your favorite ParCast hosts, including me, covering every angle of the Kennedys from shows like Conspiracy Theories, Unsolved Murders, Crime Countdown, and others. Assassinations and conspiracies, corruption and cover-ups, international affairs, and extramarital ones, too. Examine all of the Kennedy family's most controversial moments, all in one place. You can binge all 12 episodes of this limited series starting on Tuesday, January 19th. Follow the Kennedys free and exclusively on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Maybelline New York. 
Get ready to bring the heat with Maybelline's newest lip plumping gloss, Lifter Plump. Fair warning though, it's hot. Like, literally. It's formulated with chili peppers to bring a heated sensation and an instant plumping effect that lasts. Available in eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Hot Honey, and more. Buy Lifter Plump now on Amazon and use the code 10PLUMP to get 10% off for a limited time. Tap the banner to learn more. Now back to the story. As dreaded as Frau Perchta was, there's evidence that earlier incarnations of Frau Perchta from pre-Christian Bavaria and Germany are more benevolent. Jacob Grimm notes that clues to her ancient origins lie in Frau Perchta's name. The White Lady, by her very name, has altogether the same meaning for Perot, Bert, or Brecht, signifies bright white light. Some pre-Christian accounts depict her as a lady dressed in white who comes to look after children as a grandmother would. A similar depiction is seen in the ancient Bavarian goddess Bershta, a protector of children and a mother to lost souls who died as infants. But Frau Perchta is most frequently linked to the ancient Scandinavian fertility goddess Frau Hola. Hola is also active between Christmas and New Year's and takes an interest in spinners. Some experts believe that she and Frau Perchta are actually the same entity. But Hola is used to note the good face of Perchta, the one she shows to those who deserve rewards rather than punishment. A version of Hola is found in Latin inscriptions dating as far back as 197 CE. This means that some form of Frau Perchta has been around for thousands of years. As author Linda Radish notes, one of the secrets of her longevity may be her willingness to poke her nose into other people's business. This nosiness fuels Frau Perchta's house calls. Santa Claus is also famous for his visits, but he slips in and out undetected under the cover of night. Frau Perchta, on the other hand, has no trouble waltzing across someone's doorstep uninvited and demanding the attention of her reluctant host. Anna flattened herself against the hearth, staring at Frau Perchta's filmy white eyes as they searched the kitchen. The Frau smiled, revealing a set of long, sharp teeth protruding from bloody gums. She whispered hoarsely, Is that for me? Anna followed her gaze and nearly melted with relief. On the hearth's mantle was a bowl of gruel. Yosef must have put it out. Anna's heart thumped in gratitude. The Frau snatched the bowl and slurped out its contents. Anna watched, petrified. She wondered if she should yell out for Yosef. But her eyes traveled to the Frau's skirt, remembering her mother's stories. A meat cleaver was said to lurk beneath its folds, just like the one from her dream. If she called out, she'd only endanger Yosef. No, she was better off seeing what Frau Perchta wanted of her. She bit her lip, wishing she was contending with Father Christmas's magical satchel rather than a ragged skirt hiding endless horrors. Frau Perchta licked her cracked lips and turned to Anna. You have been idle this year, Anna. 
Anna's stomach flipped. Yosef had been right. Frau Perschta was angry with her for not spinning the flax. She began to protest, but the Frau held up a hand and snapped. I do not want to hear excuses. I only want to know what you intend to do about it. Anna blinked back tears as she admitted, Christmas time is hard. It reminds me of what I have lost. Frau Perschta stepped closer. Anna's vision swam from her rotten musk. The witch lightly ran the tip of her gnarled finger across Anna's neck. Her thin, cracked lips opened into a sneer. You think because you hurt that you have no duty? Cain has made you lazy. That is what I do. Motivate the lazy. Correct the liars. The Frau's hands shook violently, like suppressed anger rattled her from the inside out, the result of thousands of souls who had disappointed the Christmas crone. Anna was afraid she would kill her right then and there, but instead, Frau Perschta relaxed and said, You have some work to do. I hope you will see a more happy Frau on the twelfth night. Anna deflated at the word work. It immediately filled her with hopelessness. She was about to ask the Frau how she was to spin months of flax in just 12 days when a muffled weeping came from outside. Anna's head jerked to the open door. The snow cleared to reveal a group of children huddled together in the cold. They were all different sizes, but none of them seemed to be older than two. Anna stepped closer, her heart in her throat. A baby boy sat apart from the rest. His lips were blue and he was shivering, but Anna would have recognized that face anywhere. She cried out tearfully, Vinzel? The baby's mouth contorted in a wail. He raised a small hand toward her. Anna staggered forward, her arms stretched out to receive her baby, but Frau Perschta grabbed her with a talon-like grip. She said harshly, You may yet get your blessing on the twelfth night, but you don't deserve it yet. Before Anna could react, Frau Perschta flew out of the kitchen, slamming the door behind her. Anna yelped and flung it open, but there was nothing outside except the dancing snow. Anna fell to her knees. Wenzel had been there. He had been alive. Frau Perschta's legend had been told to her as a warning, a threat of evil. But this wasn't evil. It was magic. The true magic of Christmas she had always been told about. It was everything that she had prayed for since she buried her boy. And all that she had to do was spin her flax. Anna did not tell Yosef about her late-night encounter with Frau Perschta. By now, she was used to keeping secrets from him. It was easier this way. Instead, she got to work. She spun day in and day out. She spurned Christmas festivities with Yosef and their village and shut herself in their bedroom to weave. 
The days passed and soon her fingers began to bleed, but she merely bandaged them up and continued spinning. A wound was not going to stop her from holding Vinzel again, and she was quite sure he was the blessing that Frau Perschta had promised. All Anna had to do was work harder than she had ever worked before. As she spun, she thought of Vinzel's little face peering at her from the cold. The image made her heart ache, and her fingers flew faster than she'd thought possible. It was late afternoon, and Anna had been working since dawn. Her head drooped, staring at the threads coursing through the spinning wheel. A hand touched her shoulder gently. She whipped around to see Yosef standing behind her. He cautiously said, I didn't mean to scare you, but shouldn't you get dressed? Anna looked at her nightgown in confusion. She could have sworn she had changed this morning. Her disorientation grew when she saw that Yosef wore a coat and hat. He gently reminded her, The Epiphany Feast. We're already late. Anna blinked. Was it Epiphany already? The days had blended together. In a panic, she looked over at the baskets of flax. They were all empty, but one. Anna laughed hoarsely. She couldn't go to the feast, not when she was so close to the end. She shook her head, telling Yosef, I cannot go tonight, my love. I am almost done. When Yosef pleaded with her, Anna's confusion grew. She asked, exasperated, I thought this was what you wanted. His passions boiled over as he yelled, What I want is to dance with my wife, Anna. They faced one another in tense silence until Yosef sighed. He would go without her. He stepped closer and brushed the hair away from her eyes. But after tonight, things must change. I don't care if you spin or if you want to stay inside all day, but we must talk to one another. I cannot keep waking up beside a stranger. Anna's eyes filled with tears and she nodded. He had no idea just how much joy they were about to get back in their lives. Yosef headed for the door, but before he left, he turned back to remind Anna, there are some fish dumplings by the hearth. Remember not to eat red meat tonight. Anna nodded dismissively and turned back to her spinning. Soon, she'd forgotten what he said entirely. Hours later, Anna blearily wandered downstairs. She'd finished her work and was famished. She took a bite of a dumpling that Yosef had set out by the hearth. She grimaced as the soft, soggy texture slid down her throat. It had gone bad. She wandered to a cupboard and opened it. A sheet of dried venison hung beside a half-eaten loaf of bread. She raised some venison to her lips, but then she paused. She was more thirsty than hungry, so she decided to pour herself a cup of milk first. A laugh bubbled from Anna's throat as her achievement hit her. She had done what the Frau asked, and now she just had to wait for her blessing, for Vinsel. She laughed, tears of joy stinging her eyes, but she did not happen to look at the window. 
If she had, she might have seen Frau Perschta's milky white eyes staring at her from the other side. She leered at the venison in Anna's hand. Her lip curled in fury as Anna put her cup of milk down and sank her teeth into the meat. Coming up, Anna must face the consequences for her forbidden dinner. Now, back to the story. Christianity has frequently demonized the pagan religions of the countries they converted, and Frau Perschta's shift from the White Lady, or Frau Hola, to the demonic hag of nightmares is a perfect example of this phenomenon. Ancient Germans and Scandinavians didn't see their pre-Christian deities as bad or good. They worshipped them for their abilities instead. But the church took these neutral deities and twisted them into icons of evil. According to Jacob Grimm, they were perverted into hostile, malignant powers, into demons, sorcerers, and giants who had to be put down, but were nevertheless credited with certain mischievous activity and influence. Christmas is a holy holiday that champions moral good. Perchta makes her nefarious house calls between Christmas and Epiphany, the same time the church preaches peace and the selfless teachings of God. The message is clear. Turn to God, or the Frau will turn up at your door. Anna was glad she had skipped the Holy Epiphany Feast. After working so hard, it was nice to finally relax in the quiet of their home. But most importantly, she was glad she could avoid the villagers staring. They always looked at her with such pity, which felt worse than outright scorn. Anna smiled. It made no difference. Tonight, she and Yosef would wrap Vinsel in their arms. It would be the best Christmas gift they had ever received. A loud thud came from upstairs, accompanied by the sound of claws scratching on the floor, like animals were running about. Anna's eyes widened. The linen. She jumped to her feet and rushed up the narrow stairs to her bedroom. The first thing she saw was an open window and a furry tail disappearing through it. Then her attention was drawn to the corner of the room. A toppled candle lay at the base of the spinning wheel, which was being rapidly consumed by flames. Anna tried to grab a basket to save it from the flames, but her flesh sizzled when she touched it. She stumbled back, watching in horror as the baskets blackened to a crisp. Her knees buckled and she crumpled to the floor with a scream. All her work was gone, and with it, the hope of holding Vinzel. A gust of snow and wind rushed through the open window, gradually wetting the flames and extinguishing the fire. The linen lay soaked in tattered, scorched piles. A childish cry broke the silence. She looked toward the stairs just in time to see a baby crawl out of sight. Anna tensed. His name flew to her lips. Vinsel! 
She stumbled into the kitchen, but her son was nowhere to be seen. She called out to him, but all she heard was the soft groan of wood. She slowly turned toward the hearth, where a roaring fire had been lit. Before it, Frau Perschta gently swayed in a rocking chair. Anna stared at her, desperation flooding her entire body. Where is he? I did what you asked. It is not my fault that the linen burned. It was some kind of animal. A small, furry animal with yellow eyes and sharp horns popped up from Frau Perschta's lap. It was like no beast Anna had seen. Its animated face appeared almost human as it growled, bearing jagged gray teeth. Anna backed away. A tapping made her turn. Through the window behind her, dozens of yellow eyes peered in from the dark snowscape. Anna gasped. The Frau's Pershten, her army of ghouls. Dread crept over her. This did not bode well for her blessing. Then Frau Pershta finally spoke, her voice quivering with anger. I did not see you at the feast tonight. Anna frowned and replied, Of course not. I was finishing my weaving like you asked. The Frau stood and glided across the floor to lean in to Anna's face. She sneered. First you are lazy, then you become a recluse? Anna's eyes filled with tears. Before she could protest, Frau Perschta's voice turned sickly sweet to ask, And what did you eat for dinner tonight, dear? Anna froze. Her tongue swirled around her mouth, knocking leftover bits of venison from her teeth. She suddenly remembered Yosef's words as he departed. Meat was forbidden on Epiphany. To admit it would surely enrage Frau Perschta. Anna looked at the window. The yellow eyes were gone. She wondered if Vinzel was standing outside, waiting for her to say the right thing. So Anna whispered, Just some fish dumplings, Frau. It was technically not a lie, but it was the wrong thing to say. Frau Perschta evidently thought so too, for she unhinged her jaw and let out a bone-rattling scream. The small home shook as plates and window panes rattled. Anna fell to the floor, covering her head with her arms. But when she looked up, she was alone. The open door bumped against its hinges, swaying in the wind. No, she cried as she ran outside into the snow, screaming. She called out to Vinzel, telling him to come back. But all that answered was the howling of the wind. The cold chapped Anna's face as she stared at the dark, snow-cloaked woods that surrounded her home. She realized she should have taken her mother's stories more seriously. She'd been a fool to lie to Frau Perschta, and that lie had cost her the only thing she had ever wanted. Anna got into bed and sobbed until the tears soaked the pillow beneath her. Because of her foolishness, she'd lost her baby boy again. 
After the tears abated, she lay there exhausted, staring at the ceiling. This loss felt sharp, but for the first time in a long time, she had to admit that her head felt clear. Yosef still wasn't back from the Epiphany celebration. When he returned, Anna would finally tell him all that she'd been holding on to, her sadness, her encounter with Frau Perschta, and her brief glimpse of their baby. It was time to end the secrets. He was right. A new year meant a new start. A rancid scent wafted through the air, lightly at first, but it slowly grew in intensity. Anna's mouth went dry and her heart pounded. She knew that smell. She slowly rolled to her back. A figure stood by her bed, Frau Perschta. Her iron nose glinted in the moonlight, as did the meat cleaver she held. Before Anna could scream, the cleaver sank into her stomach with a sick squelch. But unlike in her nightmare, her body roared with pain. It felt like every one of her nerves had been branded with a burning iron. She frantically swatted at Frau Perschta, trying to push her away. But her arms were too heavy. They flopped to her side, useless. A warmth spread through her as the Frau jerked her cleaver down, splitting her skin open. Anna's vision blurred. She couldn't move. Her eyes rolled backwards, stopping on the window. The snow flurried past. A small face peered through the glass. It was a baby, no older than a year. His lips were blue. Blood gurgled in Anna's throat as she choked out his name, Vinzel. Frau Perschta stood above Anna, watching the life drain from her eyes. When she was finally still, the Frau reached out to rummage inside her open abdomen, searching for her stomach. She grabbed the organ sack and ripped it open. Her hands warmed as its sticky contents poured out. She poked a finger inside, fishing out the undigested jerky that Anna had eaten just a few hours earlier. Frau Perschta's mouth twisted with disgust. She hobbled over to the burnt linen and scooped up a handful of the sodden pile. When she returned to Anna's bedside, she began to stuff her. The soaking black fibers sloshed into Anna's open gut, filling her up slowly. All Anna's work hadn't been for naught after all. Frau Perschta closed the fleshy flaps and from her pocket, she pulled out a needle. Stitch by stitch, she sewed Anna up. The Frau waved her hand over the bloody sheets, and the red mess evaporated, as if Anna had never bled at all. Then she stood back to admire her handiwork. There was no sign of her butchering. In fact, Anna looked like she was asleep. She eyed the woman's peaceful face, feeling a twinge of sympathy. She understood Anna's tragedy. She even understood why she'd abandoned her household post. 
But while Frau Perschta could have forgiven her for eating meat and retreating from the world, she could never forgive a liar. Suddenly, she heard movement downstairs. The husband was home. His voice called up, Anna, are you still awake? Frau Perschta stepped to the window, ready to flee. But when her hand gripped the sill, she paused. Her eyes turned toward Anna as she pondered Yosef's fate. Yosef was a dutiful Christian, but that night he'd abandoned his miserable wife. He'd practically run to attend the Epiphany feast, eager to keep up appearances and escape Anna's stifling grief. Why, the man might even be relieved to find Anna would not wake up. Anna may have worked too hard, but Yosef hadn't worked hard enough. So Frau Perschta pulled out her cleaver, slunk into the shadows, and waited to give Yosef a piece of her mind. Frau Perschta taps into a deep fear that makes Christmastime monsters effective. Creatures like the Frau or Krampus represent the cold evil lurking just outside the warmth of a happy Christian home. They're meant to be dark reminders that anyone who commits a moral infraction is vulnerable. Essentially, they're the muscle of Christmas. Nobody wants to imagine Santa cutting open a belly to punish a liar, so Frau Perschta serves as a vivid, fear-based alternative who enforces a moral and social code. Simply put, she scares children and adults into behaving. But author Edmund Brecken explains that the myth around Frau Perschta has survived centuries because she's adapted. Though Frau Perschta's tales center around antiquated practices like spinning, the fear she elicits remains universal and relatable. So are you ready to answer for your sins? Misdeeds like dishonesty and laziness are seen just as negatively today as they were in old Germanic folklore. But if she came around today, Frau Perschta might be equally angered by our grind culture, which promotes overworking and leaves little time for family bonding. So when you're up late on a cold winter night and you hear the door creak, you'd better be wary because there are oh so many ways to disappoint the Frau. Thanks for listening to Mythical Monsters. We'll be back next week with a new episode. For more information on Frau Perschta, amongst the many sources we used, we found Frau Perschta, the Christmas Belly Slitter, a concise history of the legend by Edmund Brecken, extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. I'll see you next time. Mythical Monsters is a Spotify original from Parcast. 
It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Mythical Monsters was written by Kate Murdoch, with writing assistance by Alex Garland, fact-checking by Haley Milliken, and research by Adriana Gomez and Mickey Taylor. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Fact, fiction, fame. Discover the real story behind one of history's most formidable families in the Spotify original from Parcast, The Kennedys. Remember, you can binge all 12 episodes starting on Tuesday, January 19th. Listen free and exclusively on Spotify.